Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. Shut up. <laughs> like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? This is an imaginary story, which may never happen, but then again may, about a perfect man who came from the sky and did only good. It tells of his twilight, when the great battles were over, and the great miracles long since performed, of how his enemies conspired against him, and of that final war in the snow-blind wastes beneath the northern lights, of the women he loved, and of the choice he made between them of how he broke his most sacred oath, and how finally all the things he had were taken from him save for one. It ends with a wake. It begins in a quiet Midwestern town one summer afternoon in the quiet Midwestern future. Away in the big city, people still sometimes glance up, hopefully from the sidewalks, glimpsing a distant speck in the sky. But no, it's only a bird, only a plane. Superman died ten years ago. This is an imaginary story. Aren't they all? Torn apart by the Fifth Dimension and Phantom Zone projectorific episode of Fanals Comics, motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be your host tonight, but tonight I'm actually 
joined by a very special guest. I'm here with, and I, I don't think I've, I've told you this before, but I, I, I frequently refer to you to my, my fellow co-host podcasters as my art bros. Like when, when I do shows about Heroes Con and, and all that kind of stuff, I say, dude, I, I hung out with my art bros or whatever. So I am here tonight with yet another one of my art bros. I'm here tonight with Mikhail Lotia. And we are here, the, the main event that we're here to talk about is we're going to be talking about whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. It's a two-part historic final Superman pre-crisis story from issues 423 of Superman and issue 583 of Action Comics. But hey, Mikhail, how's it going? Before I get into all the, the nitty gritty, how are you? I'm super excited, Derek. Thank you for inviting me in, and uh, I'm well. It's a beautiful evening here in Southern California. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 actually on the same timetable. Like a lot of times, I'm I'm I, I usually you know have the advantage, right? We have the uh, California advantage where I, I'm podcasting with with all my buddies, like, and it's late at night where they are. But usually for me, it's only seven, and I can still pull the whole grumpy old man thing and go to sleep early at like ten or something, maybe when we're finished. But you know, I guess I guess since we're on the same timetable, we we we're just gonna start at seven and, and finish when we finish. Yeah, I I. I'm I mean, I really, I really wanted to talk to you specifically about this story, and I thought it'd be really fun just to, to cover, you know, both parts in, in a single show. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But since this is your first time on one of my podcasts, I just thought it'd be kind of cool as an icebreaker to, to ask you and maybe give the listeners an idea, like, because I know you, you know, you, you, you have been a, a longtime art collector in, in that community and everything, or at least from, from my perspective right i mean you might say oh i'm i'm new and i've only done this for so many years or whatever but y you've been a constant since i became really heavily involved in in that community and everything but i also know like you're still very supportive of you know comics and you know occasionally i see you post like some of the new stuff that you picked up or things that you're reading you know you try to keep your uh finger on the pulse of what's going on and everything so i and i don't even know that i know the answers to these questions or anything but like how did you like get started like reading comics and 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 maybe like like w what are you you know currently into or whatever as far as comics go well it's it's not i think as typical a story as you might hear and i'll i'll answer in kind of the way that I heard the questions. In terms of currently, I'm reading, I enjoy going to an LCS, particularly because that is not something I had growing up. So I'm like an adult kid in a candy store. Hmm. Still, when I was nine years old, my, my parents moved from Northern California to Pakistan. And when I, and I was pre, I was about nine years old at the time, and I was against the idea of it. I wasn't a willing participant in this continental move. And it was also coincidentally the summer of 86, which is, I think for people of our generation, 86 was just a nexus point of pop media and comics and just mind-blowing stories and you know explosions and 
what could be done and what was being done in comics. But I didn't know any of that. I was just a nine-year-old kid who was uprooted, taken to a, a very foreign land. We had visited. I, I knew the basics, but to live there was something completely different. And we were living at my grandmother's house there. And in the storage room there, I found a briefcase full of an, a random assortment of comics, DC and Marvel. And so that was really my first exposure, it, my sulking, tucking myself away, reading whatever I could get my hands on. I, you know, I read and reread many of these comics, you know, until they disintegrated. That and seems to be a, that seems to be like a common refrain, you know, like that, that you, you read until the cover fell off till, till they were falling apart and everything like that's the kind of I don't know th to me it just seems like that's the kind of love that people like ourselves we we seek out one another you know and kind of go oh I did that too right and, and I wonder how much of it was a function of the time the good old days or you know the olden days where there mm, really wasn't mm. that much media to consume well, you, so you didn't. You, you had the time. Yeah. Well. Well. And it was. It wasn't like you could always. You know. Like the 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 streaming, the DVDs, the you know, the, a movie comes out and it's out for you to consume again. Like you know, two or three months later or whatever it is, right? Like that's why there were you know movie adaptation comic books of films, right? Because you could you could buy the comic, it was tangible, you could take it home and read it till the cover fell off. But, you know, maybe you, like you said, a function of the time, like just just because you, you maybe you could only afford to get so many comics. So it's not like you read, you know, every single comic there was to buy in the store, you, you, you read the suitcase full of comics you had. And when it was time to have fun with comics, you're like, okay, let me go back to that suitcase and reread them all. You know what I mean? Like, like that's exactly, it, it, or you were fortunate yeah. enough to find a friend that you could trade with. Right, right. You, you go over to their, you go over to their house and, and, and read their comics and then they read your suitcase full of comics. And then, and then you've, you've expanded your, you know, comic knowledge or, you know, and then without the internet, you didn't have the the rabbit hole of YouTube. Mm. Where you, you know, you could just get lost. So I think- Fall, fall into that uh, rabbit I, hole, yeah. Exactly. I, I particularly remember, for example, uh, X-Men Annual 14, you know, as, as a thicker little comic book that just had a spine and you could just read it and tuck it into your pocket and then read it again. And it, it really was, the, the fabric of, of my being, some of these essential books that I had and just re read and reread. That's super cool, man. I, I, I just, I was curious about that because I, I don't think I've ever asked you that. And I don't know that I always know all the, the, the stories behind that, like what, what people discovered and how they, they got into comics and everything like that. Let's let's do the let's do the main event here. We're going to talk about whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. And again, this is Superman issue 423 and Action Comics issue 583. The publisher was DC Comics. For Superman 423, the cover date was September 1986, but the on-sale date was June 12th, 1986. Its cover price was 75 cents. For Superman 423, the cover credits are penciler Kurt Swan and inker Murphy 
Anderson. The writer, of course, was Alan Moore. The penciler was Kurt Swan, inker George Perez, letterer Todd Klein, colorist Eugene D'Angelo, editor Julie Schwartz. And then for Action 583, little change up with the inker. The inker is then Murphy Anderson on the cover still, but no longer George Perez on the interiors. It's Kurt Schaffenberger on the interiors. And I've written a not-so-brief synopsis, so my buddy Justin's going to, you know, zone out on this, but hopefully this does this story a bit of justice. Daily Planet reporter Tim Crane interviews the former Lois Lane, now Lois Elliott, on the last days of Superman, quote-unquote. Crane starts by asking about the years leading up to Superman's disappearance and presumed death. Lois explains that there was a quiet before the storm. Luther had been laying low and every part of Brainiac had been recovered from Superman from their last battle except for his head. Paris Sight and Terra Man had destroyed one another, and it appeared that there was no one left to fight. After Superman returns to Earth doing space research and exploration for the government, he finds his foes that were formerly nuisances have become deadly killers. Bizarro starts by blowing up Bizarro World in a vain attempt to achieve an imperfect duplication of Superman. He then comes to Metropolis killing scores of citizens and toppling buildings with perverse laughter. When Superman confronts Bizarro, he concludes that Superman is alive, so to be truly his opposite, he must commit suicide by way of blue kryptonite. Bizarro dies simply saying, hello Superman, hello. At Galaxy Broadcasting, it turns out the Toy Man and Prankster have killed Superman's old friend Pete Ross and used their robotic Superman drones to expose Clark Kent as Superman to the world. Elsewhere in the Arctic, Luthor has located Brainiac's head. However, his discovery does not go as planned when Brainiac's head takes control of Luthor's body. After Pete's funeral, an army of hundreds of Metallos led by Roger Corbin attack the Daily Planet building to avenge his fallen brother, John. Superman stops the army by turning the globe of the Daily Planet into a magnet that neutralizes the attacking army. Superman then takes his closest friends, Lois Lane, Lana Lang, Jimmy Olsen, Perry White, and his wife Alice, to the Fortress of Solitude for their protection. Even Crypto the Superdog returns to the fortress from his sojourn in space to join his master. When Brainiac and the Kryptonite Man do not find Superman in Metropolis, they both head to the Arctic Circle to assassinate Superman. Late at night, when his friends have cried themselves to sleep in the fortress, Superman is paid a visit by the Legion of Superheroes. Brainiac 5, Invisible Kid, Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and Lightning Lad, joined by a young and alive Supergirl. While he puts on a smile for his young cousin, privately he takes Brainy aside to chastise him. Superman is angry because Kara Zor-El is dead in this era, which is well known to the Legion. Brainiac then reminds Superman that as Superboy, he also knows aspects of the Legion's future that are as yet unknown to them, like the fate of Invisible Kid, for example. And Superman apologizes for the private outburst. Brainy says the Legion has come to present him a golden trophy of Superman with the Phantom Zone projector in hand to salute him. Superman discerns this is their moment to pay their last respects as they return to the 30th century in their time bubble. After the Legion leaves, Superman cries in private within his fortress while Crypto stays by his side. During the interview, Lois introduces Tim Crane to her husband, Jordan Elliott, who mentions that us ordinary working slobs son, were the real heroes. As Jordy checks on baby Jonathan, the interview continues. 
Superman melts the giant golden key to his Fortress of Solitude with his heat vision as his friends look on from an icy balcony. As Brainiac and the Kryptonite Man approach the fortress, they are greeted by the legion of supervillains, Lightning Lord, Cosmic King, and Saturn Woman. With the foreknowledge from the future villains that Earth's heroes will rush to aid the Man of Steel, Brainiac erects a force bubble around the fortress. Superman destroys most of Brainiac's cannons, firing on the fortress from long range with his heat vision, staying away from the Kryptonite Man's deadly radiation. Outside the force bubble, friends and rivals both, Batman and Robin, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, Superwoman, and Vartox try to break through the barrier to no avail. At a standoff by the late evening, there was a enough of a lull that Superman's guests decided to try to get some sleep. Superman confides in Perry White of his fears of death and that he's never been able to give Lois or Lana the love they deserve from him. Meanwhile, Jimmy Olsen and Lana Lang get the idea to help Superman by taking the formula to become Elastic Lad and bathing in the magic lake water to receive temporary superpowers. When Lana's super hearing kicks in, she overhears Superman reveal to Perry that when he was a boy, Lana was the only girl he'd ever loved, but since becoming a man, Lois was the only woman for him. Lana attacks the Kryptonite Man, while Jimmy attempts to disable the Force Bubble Generator. When confronted by the quote-unquote New Luther Brainiac team, Lana takes pity on the mind-controlled Lex and heeds his plea to kill him. Cosmic King saps the superpowers given to Lana from the magic lake water away, and Lightning Lord fries Lana to death. Jimmy Olsen is shot in the back by Brainiac, who continues to propel the corpse of Luthor for his own propulsion. Although Jimmy did wreck the generator, for some mysterious reason, the force bubble remains active. Taking advantage of what Brainiac calls a fluke, the villains launch a nuclear assault on the fortress. Perry saves Alice from some fallen debris and quite possibly saves their marriage from divorce. When Kryptonite Man enters the fortress, Crypto the Superdog attacks him, ripping out his throat and simultaneously howling to death as he dies from the subsequent kryptonite poisoning. As Superman flies with Lois in his arms, the legion of supervillains gloat that Jimmy and Lana are dead. Superman burns Lightning Lord with his heat vision, intending to kill him for what he's done to Lana. The legion of supervillains flee in their time bubble back to the 30th century. Finally, Superman and Lois are face to face with Brainiac. Brainiac, however, can no longer maintain the corpse of Luthor, and his head continues to stride forward toward them, utterly convinced of his ultimate victory over Superman before simply deactivating. Sensing the threat is unfinished, Superman realizes who has been behind all the events leading up to this moment. He calls out to Mitzelklik who summarily appears from the fifth dimension. The imp explains that immortality led him to change his behavior over thousands of years from doing absolutely nothing, to being a good Samaritan, to acting mischievous, and now that he's bored of that, he's decided to kill Superman and be evil for the next few millennia for a change of pace. Mitzelklik transforms into his true fifth dimensional form as Superman retreats with Lois back into the fortress. Continuing to look at the gift the Legion gave him as a clue, he realizes he is meant to use the Phantom Zone projector on Mitzelplik. Mitzelplik says his own name backward to flee imprisonment in the Phantom Zone, but is also half caught in the projector as well, ripping him apart and killing him. Superman, having broke his oath to never kill a living being, subjects himself to the gold kryptonite room in his fortress, which permanently removes his powers. Lois tells Tim Crane, she never saw Superman again.
The heroes that arrived after the events of the battle determined there was a hidden passageway in the Gold K room, and that the powerless Superman left to walk into the Sub-Zero freeze. However, they never found his body. As Tim Crane leaves the interview, Jordan Elliott and baby Jonathan come to see him off with Lois. Now in private, it is evident from baby Jonathan turning the coal to diamond that Superman retired from the limelight, marrying Lois Lane, and taking up the identity of Jordan Elliott with a wink and a nod to the reader. is the not-so-short but pretty sweet synopsis of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. And I guess what I what I usually go into and what I'm all excited about is, the for me, the nostalgic aspect. But I, I want to know from you, how did you, like, how did you stumble into this? Was this in the suitcase bag full of comics? Like, did this come later in life? Like, when, when did you get introduced to this this two-part story? And I guess, what why does it, I, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but I, 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 I think I assume correctly. Like, what why does it mean so much to you? I, you know, I was, I was quite young. It wasn't, I don't think it was in the suitcase because that was the same summer that it was released. So I have no recollection of acquiring the book it was just always there somehow at some point and when i say the book i actually mean action 583 okay okay i did not get a chance to read superman 423 until probably a decade later isn't that so, crazy like like how sometimes that that happens like i i feel like with me it's like that's the the legion like where it's like the john byrne issues that tie into like the death of superboy i i the superman issues were really easy to find you know it was like uh i think what superman like seven and eight or something like that or eight and nine i forget which ones they were but but then the the legion ones it was like 37 and 38 and it was like i found 37 i think because i i broke curfew from or some weird rule like we were at berkeley and it was like they were like you're not supposed to walk down telegraph avenue and i knew there was a comic store down there so i was like I'm, i don't care what you say i'm walking down telegraph and i found issue 37 so i was like score i was all excited and whatever and then it wasn't until like maybe seven years later like i think in a los angeles comic store that was behind a, a hotel room or whatever it was that was near loyola marymount where i went to school at the time i i finally found like a physical copy of issue 38 and i i remember i would always look and it'd be like you know usually it'd be like you'd, you'd come to it and be like 31 32 33 34 35 36 39 and that's how like every single bin would be and then you know that one time you finally pull it out and you're like yay or whatever so all right it's like a it's like a tiny miracle when you finally get that issue the the same thing happened with, to me with the original lobo miniseries I, I had book four and nothing else for the longest time. And then many years later, I finally was able to read the first three issues of that story. But this, you know, the story itself was so compelling. And you put, you know, back in the day, you just put the pieces together and you could, you soldiered on because you didn't really have a choice. Yeah, you sort of, I mean, you, you were 
maybe kind of like what you were saying before, like being a product of the time, like especially if you were, you know, in that phase where you were only dependent on like for me, like, you know, early on, I didn't even know what a, you know how you said, like, you, you never really had comic specialty shops so you you're all excited that you have them now as an adult or whatever and it's like there, for me there was that long period where i didn't know what a comic store was or that they really existed you know to me it was just you know you you went to a quick stop you went to a thrifties you went to a safeway and there were comics or or maybe you went to toys r us and there were three packs or something like that and you you exactly. could get them and there was no expectation that they would have back issues no 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 no, no. that, that, that seems wasn't insane yeah, you you never even thought that was never even a consideration. It was just like if you if you miss something, you miss something. Like I think my you know talking about Superman, like Man of Steel. It's like I I know what my spinner it was issue one, issue three, issue four, issue five, and then you know I didn't get two and six until I was like, wait, there's there's a there's stores out there and you can buy back it. Like what? And um, the the other thing that struck me was a, it's not easy to summarize a very rich Alan Moore story. So it takes some time. But in this particular case, when you read Action 583, he does it in one page and, and then you dive right into the story. And it, you know, I never particularly missed the action from Superman uh, 423 because 583 reads wonderfully by itself. It's nice to have the background and the context, but uh, you don't particularly need it. So I guess uh, I'll I'll go into like this is this is what I was excited about. Like, but it's funny I did not these were not technically spinner rack comics for me. And again, I discovered them later. I got to read them later as back issues, you know, like at a at a comic specialty shop or whatever. But the reason why especially the covers are so nostalgic to me is, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with this at all, but it, it was Superman's 50th anniversary in 1987. And because of that, the Smithsonian had like this kind of, uh, I, I think it was like some kind of, you know, museum display. Like it was some kind of show that basically, you know, detailed like, Oh, this is, this is Superman's 50th anniversary. So, I believe I'm not sure which came first, but I think the poster there's like a poster where it says like Superman, many lives, many worlds. And I was looking it up today and I'll just show you in the chat because this is such a visual medium. But people people will probably know what I'm talking about. They can look it up. But anyway, it, it, it's like this poster that basically has a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez Superman image for the 50th anniversary of Superman. And then behind it are all these like famous, you know, well-respected Superman stories and everything. And I did not have this poster, but w what I did have as a kid and cherished for the longest time and then used it to like hold all my action figures, my superpowers figures, then the lid got banged up and lost. And then finally, it was this crushed tin of of uh, metal that I don't know what happened to it. It probably got thrown away or something or other. But I ended up getting, you know, I went on to eBay. Like, you know, th th this is not original art. Like, this was mass produced, so I could recapture that piece of my childhood or whatever. But there, there was basically this 
pretzel tin. And it was, again, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Superman. And if you if you look at that pretzel tin, basically, it's, you know, this kind of circular shape or whatever. And, and around the... The circle basically are all those famous covers and everything. And I would always stare at like certain covers and just be like, you know, like you're saying at the time, like you're like, I have no idea how I would ever get that issue or read that issue, like unless it was on a, a spinner rack or something. But I would sit there and covet and wonder like historic last issue. You know, like, what? Like, what is this all about? And and then I'd see that image of Superman flying away from the Daily Planet in the action comics. And it says, you know, goodbye, Superman, we'll miss you. And both those were on that pretzel tin. And uh, I mean, I can't explain like the the burning nostalgia I have for like the stuff that's on that pretzel tin like it's not just those two issues but those two issues in particular and i i mean at the time i think the only thing i owned that was on that pretzel tin was the cover to man of steel number one because i i bought that off a spinner rack and so it's that funny thing like when you see those things it's almost like it's like a pre-made checklist for you where you're like I'm going to read all of those someday. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's that's kind of how I looked at that tin. And I guess that's why this this issue, you know, meant so much to me. And I, I think I I don't know. I I feel like this might be worth going into because I'm curious what your history with with Alan Moore is. I mean, I know in in some cases, again, much like this story, I feel like you know talking about Alan Moore. Like sometimes you know people have different opinions. There's controversy and this and that and the other thing. But w- what I remember the most that sort of blew my mind as a little kid was I I think the expansion for me from spinner racks went into like Walden books. And I don't know if you were like, because I know you said you had the, you know, the, the, the cross nation travel and everything. And so some things you didn't have access to when you were a kid. But like, for me, I think I, part of my graduation was not only just discovering comic book stores, but, you know, finding out, oh, there are collected editions of comics and there are comic books that you can buy at Walden books. And they had their own little Walden book spinner rack, which I think is, uh, it was like plastic and looked like kind of a, you know, they had the see-through glass on it, or, you know, I guess it's plastic glass or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I thought those spinner racks were super cool at Walden books. And I know for sure, like that's how I read dark Knight returns and that's how I read Saga of the Swamp Thing. And so I, I remember really liking the Wes Craven Swamp Thing movie. I'm pretty sure my parents knew I liked watching that because I would always ask them to rent that or whatever, like the, the VHS tape and stuff. And so I'm pretty sure my mom bought me the trade paperback of, you know, the Alan Moore, Stephen Bissett, you know, Swamp Thing. And that's the first time I read The Anatomy Lesson. And that, like, blew my little kid mind because I, you know, I knew enough from the Swamp Thing movie to have the basis of, oh, yeah, he's Alec Holland and, you know, he he becomes the Swamp Thing. And then having that twist where it's like, oh, no, he wasn't, you know, this this wasn't a man who turned into a plant. This is a plant that thinks he's a man, you know, and 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 the whole, you know, kind of stuff that follows like that sort of blew my little kid mind. And, and, uh, you know, it was, it was something I sort of, you know, fell in love with because I loved the the movie. And then I, I continued to try to read the comics when, when they were available and when I could get them and everything. But like, to me, that's, that's kind of like my 
introduction to Alan Moore and then sort of finding out like he wrote for the man who has everything that was in like the greatest Superman stories ever told. And then realizing that, that he was the one who wrote these, you know, historic final issues that were on this pretzel tin that I sort of cherished and idolized. Like I, I, it sort of put it all together for me. I mean, as far as like my word on those, I mean, you know, I, I love these comics and I, I, in general, I always find, his work to be very compelling and something that, you know, I enjoy reading, but I guess I'm, I'm sort of curious, like from your perspective, like, do you remember like sort of how you were introduced to Alan Moore or when maybe you were cognizant of like Alan Moore, as opposed to just maybe reading, you know, a, a comic book that you treasured and cherished? To be honest, I, I don't remember. I, I'm, I'm, I was the worst kind of comic book reader in that I paid little to no attention <laughs> no i think to, i think a the, lot of people uh, a lot of people did the writer way. the artist the inker you know i'm like get me into the story your what your mind and your eye do figure out quite quickly is if there's artwork that is superior to that which came before it or that which came after it so i did notice differences and the, the very visceral kind of reaction to that was you know, like Todd McFarlane was the first artist who made me realize that there there was different schools of thought and different approaches to the art. But in terms of Alan Moore, I, and I, I was a very, you know, voracious reader. I would read anything I could get my hands on, but in such a way where I, again, didn't pay attention to who had done the writing. So... It was just always there. I read, you know, Action 583. I read Watchmen. I read The Killing Joke. All without really, I never had, you know, I don't recall a moment in which I was like, oh, this Alan Moore dude is really good. I was just like, these are great stories that I, that for whatever, you know, reason at the time, they resonated with you and, you know, they they had an impact. And... I, I, it, it, it's just one of those pieces of information that you acquire, that I acquired by osmosis at some point. It, it you know, the, all the molecules kind of drifted through the semi-permeable membrane and coalesced into my head. And then at some point I was like, okay, yeah, of course I know that Alan Moore wrote Swamp Thing and, you know, Killing Joke and Action 583. And, but yeah, at, at, there was no defining moment that I could put my finger on. And the um, exhibit at the Smithsonian is, is news to me as of right now. The, in terms of media, I recall the first big Superman story that, that I remember seeing reflected in the newspaper and potentially in a news report on the news and TV was when he married Lois and she found out his identity. And so there was that famous cover with her looking shocked oh right with the, the, glasses. Like the, the the engagement cover right like yeah the yeah. engagement exactly so so you know the newspapers picked all of that up and I, I remember seeing that but nothing really before that in terms of mainstream this was very much something that me and my uh, few geeky friends enjoyed i always feel like i i have like 
history into comics where it was always shaped by that media that surrounded me. Like to me, it was always, you know, the George Reeves, the Christopher Reeve, the super friends, Kenner superpowers figures, you know, like those things sort of directed me to when I finally started really, you know, collecting comics that that steered me in certain directions you know so for me i i get curious like because when you talk about the the engagement issue to me i'm like oh well that's you know you know uh, maybe a year or two after after this you know you know killing joke is you know in the height of the 89 batman craze you know like type thing uh you know the the burton batman and stuff but it, it makes me wonder like was were there other influences as far as like Superman where did you, you know, was that, was that even anything that you, you know, uh, I don't know that the, the oh, adventures of absolutely. Superman TV um, show or filmation show or I, anything I had, like that? Uh, I had super friends for sure, but somehow my mind kept them separate. Hmm. You know, there, there was the film, obviously the Donner films, the, the super friends TV show, but I never, So I had the, I would kind of build in my head a catalog of characters, but the comic stories, I think, present so differently from, you know, a TV show or an animated show or a movie. And because I would tend to reread the comics way more than I would rewatch the media, they just ended up separate in my head. And, and, you know, I, I probably haven't even thought about it until this this moment, but th- that's very much how I processed it, that the comic stories, um, because I think the written word gives you a lot more depth. It gives you a lot more opportunity to for subtext. And especially the burn run on Superman when they relaunched with the number one. And and there was, the, in particularly the Laurie Lamaris story just mm. really resonated with me the humanity of that, you know, an alien and a mermaid, but they were just being people, enjoying people experiences, people emotions. Uh, you don't get any of that from the cartoon or or the film. So, yeah, I think my, my mind tends to really keep them separate. There was definitely some of that around, not as much, you know, as maybe you would have here and certainly not in terms of access to the toys and action figures and whatnot. But yeah, so th- th- that's that's an interesting that, you know, probably I could, you know, write a journal article on in terms of how, how we process the stories and the characters based on what we were given. Yeah, because for me, like, it's funny because when, when you say you consider them separate, like, I think, I think the reason why my mind was blown as a little kid, you know, like, and I, I think I've tried to explain this, like, sometimes in, you know, some of our, our shared chats with our friends and different things like that. But, like, th- that's why Dark Knight Returns had the impact on me without having read, like, you know, I don't know, 40 years of Batman comics. It was like, to me, the Adam West Batman was... Frank Miller's Batman. Like to me, they were, I mean, I know it's crazy. Like when you say it out that is, loud, that is, that may be the craziest thing. I've ever heard but, but to, but to me, to me, I was like, it was all the same because, cause that, that change, you know, like to, to me, I was like, that's, that's how mind blowing it was. Cause to me, it was, it was all the same guy, you know, like, and, and, and it was like me trying to process like, well, 
these guys over here told me this guy punching this, you know, plastic shark is Batman. But then these guys over here are telling me this guy breaking this guy's legs is Batman. Exactly. And, and, and now me, I need to know what, how and, that transition. Yeah. And, and, and to me, I, I kind of was like, oh, well, you know, that that put it all in a context for me, you know, like type thing. And and that's why, you know, I don't know, for, for me, like that's that's how I tried to, you know, and, and it's not even, you know, I get it. You know, it's not even quote unquote accurate. You know, you could go into Elseworlds and multiverse and different Earths and all this other stuff that that it quote unquote really is. But, you know, just speaking about it from from like recollection and and memory and everything and and I love that you brought up uh, the Superman twelve like that Lori Lamaris because I feel like we're kindred in that way because that's also one of my you know like favorite Superman stories along with this one but I thought I thought it'd be interesting like I have specific notes about the the uh, the issue in general but y- you know what's funny about this and I d- I don't know if you've ever encountered this or or heard this but. And I'm, I'm trying to frame this in a positive way because a lot of a lot of guys that I'm friends with and and different podcasters that I have a lot of great respect for, like there there is this kind of rejection of I, I think I feel like in general maybe with certain either Alan Moore stories, you know, like I mean certainly like I, I feel like you know over the years the Killing Joke gets you know evaluated and reevaluated and. You know, there, there's there's all kinds of, uh, you know, things that, you know, maybe people don't like about it now or they don't understand why it was such a compelling story at the time or they can't get past, you know, Batgirl getting shot or any of that stuff. And and I kind of feel like there there is that aspect where you'll get the reaction of like, like, in other words, me, like I sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I guess I'm a basic bitch because this is my number one Superman story, right? It's my favorite. I've got, I have applied some nostalgia to it. I think it's well-written. Like it it features all these characters that that I, you know, love and enjoy and, and you know, that, that kind of brings a, a, a finale to the, the, the Superman saga or whatever. But I've, I've also kind of heard the, you know, it's, it's the thing, it's always easier to to destroy than create. It's always easier to end the story than to tell a good one. Like, like these are the kind of criticisms I hear about it. And then, and then the other thing I find very interesting, and I don't know if you're familiar with this story or not. Frequently, I I find that Superman volume one, 149 is frequently brought up and that's this imaginary story. It was in the greatest Superman stories ever told. That's probably where I would have first encountered it, but it, basically has Luther turning straight like he's a good guy. I think he like cures cancer and does a bunch of good stuff. But it's all this kind of, you know, pulling the wool over Superman's eyes thing. They become best buddies and everything's hunky dory. And then he lures him into this room, kills him with kryptonite poisoning. And while everyone watches, basically. And then, you know, the the kind of, I guess, semi upbeat end note is, you know, he had the uh, Kara Zor-El, Supergirl, you know, in training in hideaway this whole time. And she, you know, brings Luther to justice and then she carries on in Superman's name. And, and that's how that imaginary story ends. And and that's something I frequently see brought up is like, oh, I don't know. It, it, it sounds that, that uh, really brings to mind the uh, Lee Bermejo Luther story. Right, right. Right. Which which I, I, I have I haven't read this uh, particular Superman issue myself, but it sounds quite fascinating. I, I find that interesting, too, because I feel like the same people that would praise the issue I just told you about would reject the Lee Bermejo 
Luther story, right? And and it's 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 one of those things where I I, I don't know. I, I get all excited about this and find it interesting because like I. The, the, to me, and the, the, again, this is me prefacing, like, this is not what I think, but this is kind of like what I hear, right? Where it's like, if if you put, th this is just me plucking at random, but if, if you put All-Star Superman as, as one of your top Superman stories, you have not read enough Superman stories. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's the kind of mindset, right? And 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 in some ways, that gets applied to this too. It's like, oh, this is this is too easy a story to pick as your favorite. Like, you haven't read enough Superman stories. And I feel like I kind of, I I've come to the point where I can understand that perspective, while I also reject it because of my nostalgic love for the story, if that makes sense. But like, for me, I'm, I'm curious, like what, what your reaction is to, to, you know, some statement like that. Cause I, I, I imagine you have like, you know, especially for action 583, like you have that same, you know, nostalgic tie to it. So it's not, you're, you're not, I'd say we're not seeing it as like this, um, end to a great legendary story or, or some kind of, um, you know, uh, breaking the toys story that other people that maybe, you know, you, you read comics long enough, right? You get a little jaded, you read the same story over and over again, you see maybe the tricks and, and, and the tools that people use, right? So, so certain stories, obviously, that you read, you know, when you're in your 20s or in your 40s or whatever, right? They're not going to necessarily hit you the same way. Like, like, I feel like I've, you know, I've rejected certain things over the years or at least decided, you know what, th this story is not for me or whatever. But I feel like, you know, sometimes if I if I would go through this story, I can see it from that perspective. Only I don't share it, I guess, if that. I don't, I don't no, know I, I totally right. I, I, I get what you're saying. And I'll give you an example in Spider-Man where I, I really struggle to find a compelling modern Spider-Man story arc that measures up to what we've already seen in the past. Mm. And in general, I am that cranky old man that that is by and large not overly impressed or motivated or inspired by the, the stories being told about the mainstream heroes in the mainstream titles. But I think that's also okay because the publishers have multiple markets that they're catering to. And so if there's a younger person getting into comics right now and they're finding pleasure in Miles Morales stories and Spider-Man stories in the main titles, that's fantastic. And at the same time, they are experimental. And if you look at Tom King's take on vision mm. or what we saw in um, the human target, which, you know, those are the stories that are kind of more exciting to me. And with Alan Moore, I think in, in this, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, we're, we're starting to see shades of, you know, he's, he's very famously publicly now not a fan of this, the superhero comic genre at all. 
Right, and, and right. Frustrated. Well, that, 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 that's that's the other, you know, to some people, that's that's just a turn off in general, right? Because, you, you know, there's that aspect of people probably where they feel you know, maybe betrayed by that or, you know, like, like, oh, uh, you know, I, we, we love this stuff, but this was, you know, not, you know, quote unquote, good enough for you or whatever, which I don't know, like, sometimes it's tough, right? Because you can, I feel like there's some things where when it's old enough and nostalgic enough, I feel like I can somehow put a barrier and a wall between that. But when it comes to kind of what you're saying, like when you're a grumpy old man, like it's it's hard for me to do the same thing with with a Tom King. Do you know what I mean? Like where I think I started out, you know, I think, you know, I read Vision and I thought that was really good. I thought Mr. Miracle was like going to be the next Watchmen. I got all excited about it, probably like you. But lately I, I see the, the wheel turning, right, where I sort of stopped reading because I don't know, like I, I, I kind of either, you know, saw through some of the tricks or maybe just wasn't as um, interested in, you know, another character getting, you know, put through the meat grinder, you know, whether, you know, for me, probably the big turnoff was, you know, the, the uh, what is it, Heroes in Crisis and the, the treatment of Wally West or whatever, like, the, you know, so there were certain things where I think I hit my my ceiling with it or whatever. And, and, and it's funny cause I, I didn't think I was going to talk about this, but since it ties into the the story itself, I'll, I guess I'll just bring it up now. But like, I, there's that part of me that feels like, Oh, I guess maybe I'm a hypocrite. Right. Because I look at action 583 and I love that death of crypto scene. Like that's one of my favorite moments in this. Like I, and, and, and it's weird. right? I, I reread it. I reread both of them before this, this show. And I mean, it just it drew tears from me. I mean, yeah. it, the, the 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 and 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 he's just doing something that that's very you know it's a well known kind of I call it a trope, call it a mechanism, whatever you will. But to to anyone that has any kind of a relationship with a pet, to 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 depict that kind of devotion and that kind of an ending. It's just you know it just pulls at your heartstrings. There's there's no other way to to put it. And in in your recap, you mentioned the other kind of very poignant moment, which was "Hello, Superman, hello." Yeah, um, because in Bizarro we have a, a child basically who doesn't understand what is happening and 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 as you know is is dying, and, and it's just it's just tragic. It's just pure tragedy. Both of these situations. And I think, I, I don't know, like for, for me, it's like that, that tragedy stuck with me and hit me, but it also like, it, it was something like where me and my friends would joke about with each other too, you know, that, that amusement from the, the backward nature that was bizarro from the silver age still is a layer in that too, because you're laughing. Cause you're like, dude is dying and saying goodbye forever. But he says, hello, you know, like and 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 it was just one of those things where I, you know, I would have buddies, the buddies you, you kind of mentioned, you would swap comics with, you would share stories, you know, like you might have not been a, a major X-Men guy, but they were you might not have been 
a major Iron Fist Captain Marvel guy, but they were, and and you know maybe you had like you know all the Superman books or or all the you know whatever it is, and and you do these kind of you know swaps of let me read through your long box and I'll read through his long box or whatever, and those type of guys like that that's that's who I would laugh about this with where you know we we say to each other you know if we were leaving somewhere and not seeing each other till the next day we'd be like hello Superman hello and that always you know I mean that I love the 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 reason why I said maybe I feel like a hypocrite uh, about the death of crypto thing is like I I love that moment just like you do like I remember when it was in like some top list of wizard you know best comic moments ever and that's probably why people you know groan about it too it's like oh if wizard said it was good it's like a CBR article when you know people put out lists and everybody has their you know judgmental reaction to oh I would have made my list this way and there's too much importance on this list and I'm guilty of it. I do it too all the time, but I guess I, I'm, I'm revealing my hand, but I, I quit reading the Adam strange Tom King book and, and haven't read any Tom King since. Right. But I know due to, you know, massive, you know, uh, to me in, in my circles, massive negative feedback to the, the Tom King Supergirl book. Like I know enough to know that, that there's, there's certain diehard Supergirl fans that, you know, can't stand that book and would have just preferred that it had never existed. And if I understand correctly, because I haven't read it, but if I understand correctly, crypto dies in that as well. And so I guess that's why I was like, oh, well, am I being a hypocrite? Because like, to me, I guess I get the point of view of those folks that, that you know, the, the quote unquote, get off my lawn, you know, grumpy old man fan. Well, well, it's like, I don't let, let like me that drive stuff. The let me drive the knife in a little okay. bit more. Okay. And say, that they save crypto in that in that oh, run. Okay. 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 Whereas but, but, but so, 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 so that's dead for a very long okay. time. But so that and then that's even like to me, then that's that's kind of funny because it's like then then me being a, a defender of this story, I guess it's worse because crypto, you know, quote unquote, stays dead in this, right? Like so. But I don't I don't know how you know, I don't know if it's me trying to justify it or whatever, but like I'm I'm sort of fine telling you that I love crypto as a character and I'm also fine with how he went out, you know, like type thing. Like, like, like I, I guess it's funny cause I didn't include this on my list of things, but you know, I, I was trying to explain that this, this Superman 149 story, like the reason why I, I didn't exactly uh, warm up to it as like a, a favorite story or even like put it in the pantheon of, wow, what a great, death of Superman story was because it, it felt it, it was one of these like tragic stories where you want to scream at Superman like no don't go in the room with Luther he's setting you up and then you feel like you know like sick to your stomach because of how he died and I, I think I compared it to there's there's the the Jonah Hex story where he finally dies right and and it's just like it's such a weird way for somebody who was so um such a dynamic character to and they go out you know i, I guess i'm just gonna say it to me it was like man they just went out so stupidly you know like 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 you know the, the and 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 i i guess i could never you know the, the, i guess that's something i'm unwilling to see it, it's funny it probably comes up in uh in my predilection for stuff that I like to buy in terms of that. Like I hate buying like art where the hero I like gets punched in the face. Like I'd much rather have 
the hero I like punching someone else in the face, if that makes sense. And so like like with this, at least, I feel like, you know, oh, damn, well, Crypto died and I'm really sad about it. But damn, he gave as good as he got and he ripped that Kryptonite man's fucking juggler out. And and I was like, dude, I, you know, like, I love you, Crypto. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, I, I, I think can't, it's also, I can't... it's, it's something that we came up with of a particular generation where there's a, a concept of a good death, a, mm. a worthy death. And, and this certainly would fit that bill, right? You're, yeah. you're yeah. a soldier doing what you need to do. And, 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 you know, when we, when we talk about this story, Superman 423 starts with a little preamble by Alan Moore and, and that paragraph starts with this is an imaginary story and it ends with this is an imaginary story so he's he's driving in that point right right and then he's alan mooring superman he's being like what are the problems with superman how are we resolving all of this and you know what are the the parts of it that that you know let, and so i think again making mitzelplex the the ultimate villain in this is genius. And, right, and, right. and the, the mindset that they describe is also extremely believable. When you start to think about it, you're like, yes, this makes so much more sense than everything we've been told about him up to this point, right? I mean, a mischievous imp from the fifth dimension who just causes trouble, you know, and then says his name backwards and disappears. And you have to trick him into saying his name backwards. Right, right. Um, so I, I, I whatever people will say, I give props to Alan Moore for approaching a character, looking for the flaws in the way they're built. Because the, the, the All-Star Superman takes this approach as well. The, the, the problem with Superman is just how powerful he is, just how rigid he can be. And what I really liked in, when I finally read Superman uh, 423 is, is the humanity that we, we got to see from him, mm. him apologizing to the Legion for right, being for, for short because temper. of the pressure yeah, that yeah. he was under. Exactly. That's, he's, he's a man holding himself to an impossible standard. But it's also it's also super, super relatable and understandable, too. Right. Because you've got, you know, he's kind of like, dude, why the fuck did you bring her here? Don't you know she's you know, she's fucking dead. Yeah. Right. Like like and then he's like, but we, we never see this from him. We don't see it previous to this and we don't see it after. Really. Mm. I mean, I feel like I feel like there's 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 touches of it that show up. And then I, I think and then part of I think the. I think the the longstanding criticism, probably a lot like the longstanding Dark Knight Returns criticism, isn't so much focus on the story itself, but its legacy. You know, the the idea that like, you know, for the man who has everything, and this story both feature moments where you know Superman's angry enough to use his heat vision to burn you to death, right? And that becomes this trope where people go, oh, well, now it's like this this common you know that gets busted out every other minute where it's like oh the angry red eyes of anger you can point to like you know 200 other times that it's happened since then but you know because this was the first thing and it introduced elements of that or you know something where i mean i don't even know if this was replicated or not but you know that last panel to me of uh of superman 
alone crying with with crypto, right? Like I I, I think you know I, I think you and I maybe as as uh, as dog owners, right? You, I mean I feel like I can relate to that. Like it's not like I've never been in that situation before, right? Where the only person there to sort of comfort you in 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 a in a quiet moment where you're not surrounded by anybody else, right? So you break down, and the only person there to witness it is. Uh, is your dog that's like, oh, I'll, I'll hang out with you and support you through that that moment you had or whatever. And and I, I think that's kind of what you're getting at, like those elements of humanity. And I think, you know, in some cases, some of that came with maybe the burn, you know, revamp, you know, the fact that his parents were still alive, that he could he could have conversations with Ma and Pa and, you know, d- different things that, you know, maybe people would look on fondly but there's also you know uh, maybe a legacy of of this story where you know maybe people don't look on the the end result of that as so fondly like if you know it's it's interesting for me to say because i think i am the type of fan like i i love you know superman uh you know we used to have this joke this buddy of mine where you know i i would try to get him to read dc comics and, you know, he read comics that I recommended to him and everything. But, you know, ultimately he had this joke with me where he's like, well, why do all these stories end with Superman being the bestest? Basically meaning like at the end of it, you know, at the end of Crisis, Superman punches the anti-monitor away. You know, at the end of, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, like some, you know, cosmic odyssey or, you know, whatever, whatever big long-standing story kingdom come it's like superman gets angry and everybody feels bad about it and that's how you know that's how the story ends right with well with... yeah at least in kingdom come he has to have a meaningful conversation with billy batson right right but 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 that at was, least that, there's that 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 was that was kind of the joke right and and so but but i i do come i i i sort of if if Superman's flaws are being exposed, I guess my reaction to that is always, well, I, I celebrate those flaws, I guess. Like, I, I, I kind of love all that stuff. And 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 that's why, I guess, um, I, I find it fascinating that, like, I, I could see where Superman becoming Jordan Elliott could, could conceivably be like, oh, that's the most horrible thing ever. Like, Superman would never do that in a million years or whatever it is, right? Like, like I, I feel like it's funny because I don't have that reaction to this, but I remember the reaction when they did those CW crisis uh, TV episodes or whatever, and they, they branched them out over the four nights or I don't know, whatever it was. It was like two nights, and then they made you wait like five months for the other two nights or whatever ridiculousness it was. But I, I remember people losing their minds that Tom Welling, you know, that version of, of I guess, Superman or, you know, Clark Kent or whatever you want to call him, right? The the Smallville, you know, uh, Clark Kent gave up his powers in that little cut scene. And, and there were people that are just like, oh, that's terrible. Like that ruined the like the character and this and that or, or just just maybe not even that much of an adverse reaction, but just like, you know, a twinge of disappointment of like, oh, he just he, he's, he's, you know, and, and some people try to you know, do what I did with the whole, they're all the same character thing. You know, I, I've heard some people rationalize it and say, oh, maybe he was just doing it because he was, he was raising his kids and and then he'll, he'll take off the ring and he'll have his powers back when he's done raising his kids or, you know, like there's, there's all kinds of different things I, I would hear about that. But, you know, I, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I find all that stuff kind of fascinating as far as like, you know, the fact that like, I, I don't know that the, the Jordan Elliott thing necessarily 
bothered me, you know, at the time. And I don't, I don't think it does now. Like I, 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 to me, going back to me thinking every, every one of these guys was the same. Like to me, I always remember the end of uh, the filmation cartoons. Like they always ended with, or, or, or the George Reeves adventures of Superman. Like they, they always ended with, with him giving the camera a wink, you know, like where it was like, Hey, uh, I know something that you know and I know, but Lois and all these other, you know, people that they're not in on the joke, but you're in on the joke with me and I'm giving you a wink and a nod. And that's how this story ends, just like an episode of The Adventures of Superman, just like a filmation animated cartoon. You know, Jordan Elliott winks and is like, hey, guess what? You're in on the joke because you know what? Superman's not dead because, look, I've got a kid and he's crushing coal and it's turning into a diamond and this whole thing is gonna continue you know like like so i i don't know that that's just how i sort of took that it's definitely not the in i i i also the the it's the only part of the story i would put my finger on and say there maybe might have been a couple of ways to handle this because it's 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 very pat right it's just like we're done like you get all the answers. Whereas if Jonathan, if John Elliott, if the baby had been like an ambiguous 10 years old, right? And there was no wink, maybe he's not Superman, but maybe right, Lewis had right. Superman's, you know, like that, that, that was kind of the way I had actually retconned it in my head for some reason. Because the, the 10 year old, the 10 years after the fact, Thing is kind of driven in more in the Superman 423, which I read later. But yeah, I, I prefer to have a little bit of mystery. That's just me, you know. But again, this is a, a kind of a nitpicking point about the story. And and also, if I put my art bro hat on, yes, and we go back to the to the burn run, his his artistry brings so much to the story. And again, particularly talking about the Laurie Lamaris story, like all of it, Clark's interactions with her, like the wheelchair kind of rolling away out of control and that, that rescue and the interactions between them. And, the, and, you know, those, those scenes are burned into my head, not because of the writing particularly, but because of the way that it was drawn and the emotion mm. on their faces. And, right, right. You know, so I, I there's that that other element that comes into it, which is you know what draws me so strongly to collecting of the original art. Can I can I keep your art bro head on? I guess bring up since we're talking about the art aspect of this, like I was like super excited. Like this this happened a while back, obviously, but I I I remember I remember when we made those those spreadsheets like do you remember we made those spreadsheets where it was like put your i forget what did we was like put your four or five grails in the spreadsheet or whatever and we all like wrote like little you know grail things but basically i think i think it was like this thing of like i'll keep an eye out for this if you keep an eye out for this and i would you know i would flip my lid if i could if i could land this or find this or uncover it in some you know hidden you know indiana jones treasure tomb or something like that and and i remember you had put like i i really want a page from action 583 and then i remember seeing that that 
you know, that auction had happened and, and, and you saying you had won an auction recently. And then I think I, I messaged you and I was like, you, I'm like, dude, you got the page? Like you got this page? And you were like, yes. And I was like, so happy. Cause I feel like I, I you know, I, I don't know if I've shared this with you or not, but I feel like you telling me, even though it was a long and drawn out process and it took like forever, but it, you know, what came of it was fabulous was I, I think you were the one who kind of encouraged me to be like, oh, just email Brian Hitch, like see what happens. Like the worst he could say is he doesn't have any pages. And if I hadn't done that and done that sort of protracted dance, I, I wouldn't have all those pages from that Adventures Maxima I, annual. I, I remember very well and it really brought a thrill to me, you know, because because I, I understand what it means to, to have that. You know, when I when I discovered this this hobby of collecting art, immediately there were three titles that came to my mind, Action 583, Watchmen, and Killing Joke. And I didn't even really put it together that these are all Alan Moore stories. You know, that's, that. I, it seems like, you know, I'm number one Alan Moore fan, but. <laughs> number one, <laughs> number one. And, and, you know, so it was, it, but that's just, if I, it, it was a gut visceral list. You know, it's not thinking about anything. It's just like, what did I grow up reading and loving and what would I just absolutely love to have a representation of? And especially with Action 583, the pages are in the wind. Like I've yeah. been looking and looking and looking. And I mean, the, the, I, covers, the cover's tied up with Dave Mandel. It's you know, unlikely yeah. to ever come out. He, he yeah. writes in the description that it's his favorite Superman story. So, you know, good yeah. luck with that. Yeah. And then Joe Vetteridi, uh, who runs the New Jersey Art Show, had two pages, maybe three, but two of them are of Lois talking to the reporter, you know, not as compelling oh, okay. artistically, okay. but but he had two pages of, of story, which he sent to Heritage, and, you know, the second one just recently sold as well. And I was just absolutely thrilled to, to, to be able to acquire one and, you know... Well, I mean, my precious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for me, I, I was like, this is so Well, You know, what's cool about it is, I mean, you've got that one panel with crypto with Superman and, and basically. Well, I, I'm all, well aware all... that crypto is in it and Superman's in it, the whole team's in it. Like, yeah, it's, yeah it's, 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 that's so awesome. And then and then, you know, I love that version of Brainiac. Like, I mean, I know he's just kind of using Luther's body or whatever, but like that. No, super, it's, it's fantastic. That, that superpowers Brainiac. And... Like, it's it's so cool. Yeah, man. exactly. So. The superpowers Brainiac. Exactly. Yeah, um, I, love so I, I love it. I'm just over the moon about it. So it. Um, yeah, when, when you love a story so much and you always thought about it and you always kind of carried the lessons of it with you it's it's absolutely magical to 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 hold it in your hands and be like this is one of the 20 odd pages that you know i i love i love i love i love a mitzelplex page but there's only three so and and i haven't even seen them you know so I, i'm more than happy with uh, with what i have managed to acquire yeah, no, that's that's fantastic, dude, because that's to, to me, like, that's why I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, it's goofy to say, but you're like, oh, dude, dreams really can. You know what I mean? Like, dreams really 
can yeah, come absolutely. true, right? Absolutely. Like, like you you feel uh-huh. like that sometimes when you when you hit on some of those where you're just like, oh my god, I can't believe like either you you know you nabbed it, you did it, like or or you know whatever it is that you know like for me it was that adventures annual, but I was just like, I can't believe I I somehow stuck through the landing and pulled pulled that off. And, and you know when I, when I when I start when I got into the hobby and I would meet dealers and uh, seasoned collectors and. I, I, especially with the dealers, I remember I would just, the first thing I would ask for is action 583. And I'd say it like, like killing joke, right? Like, mm. like you should know what this is. Like you should know what and, it is. And, and, yeah. And most of them would not, you know, like they, well, they didn't have a particular place in the hierarchy. I know. Uh, unlike, I, you know, like Watchmen or killing joke. This, this is not me tooting my own horn, but I, I know I'm unique among my peers. But one thing I quickly learned getting into the hobby was people buy it based on aesthetics. And sometimes, they, you know, you the, the reason why things happen the way they do sometimes is literally people do not know what they have. You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, that's. I think that's that's a a factor of it, right? Because like that's or or it cracks me up because you know art like everything else is subjective, right? Like like you know I mean to some people like we're talking about crypto and and superpowers, Brainiac and Luthor and all this other stuff, but you know there's some dude out there who is the world's biggest Kryptonite Man fan, and 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 the reason why he would have gone after that page. And and had he won it, would have loved and cherished it, would have been like, dude, I've always wanted a Kryptonite Man page from Action 5. You know what I mean? Like, like, and it's like, it's totally counter to what we just talked about. But that's, I mean, that that's what cracked me up. Because I, I remember I went after that Ramona Fraden page on Heritage. And a lot of people are like, dude, that's an awesome Batman. Oh, that's such a cool Wonder Woman or whatever. And, and I'm like, well, truth be told... You know, I, I'm like, I went after it because it's like the first time and only time I've ever seen a Lila Laral page who was like Superman's Kryptonian girlfriend <laughs> when he went back in time. Like, because I'm just like, dude, I love that story. If if I could find something from that, you know, 141 or whatever, like, which probably can't happen. But, you know, like th- th- that would be, you know, something where I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. Because like, you know, but obviously, you know, other people, you know, the, the more obvious things, right? You're focusing on Batman and Robin and Wonder Woman and everything like that. And, and that's what's also super cool about the hobby is there, there's so much to resonate with so many people, like different levels, different aspects of the story. And that, that's fantastic too. Like I, I love, like you know, other than Alan Moore, you know, the, the other title I really enjoy is you know like the Tom Lyle Starman run, which is oh yeah, know, I was panned and I not I, I, you know particularly popular, and I, the pages are like a hundred bucks a piece. But I I love the story. I you know I love the run, and uh, I'm always it's just something that brings me joy. Most definitely. Like, I, I remember that I, I think the first time I, you know, you know how, you know, you're saying, oh, I'm not really cognizant of artists and writers and, you know, or at least when you're a kid. Right. And and you put it all together later. Like, I didn't think about this until right now. But I think the first moment where where you as a, a person came on my radar, like I, I, I had been not really following all the videos on 
you know, comic art fans or anything like that. But I think, you know, during the pandemic, I was watching a lot of Neil Adams videos and, 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 you know, different artists would do their streams and everything like that. And then I think uh, there was a calf live and there was the video where Mike Alred sort of unveiled like this commission I had him do. And so I watched that and I still didn't really put two and two together that like this dueling dealers show was related to that calf video. Like, I don't, I don't think any of that connected to me at the time. And I think I was looking at like Norm Brayfogle art and was like, I saw on Berkey's site, like he had this, it, it was like, it was this weird team up. It was like, it was like ISIS. And I think like, a, I want to say like a Marvel care. I don't know. It was, it was weird. It was like ISIS and, and, and a DC character and a Marvel character. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And then I was like, is this fellow reputable? You know? And I, I was looking around on the site or whatever. And then, and then I saw a link to, you know, the dueling dealers things. And I started watching that. And then I watched more and more videos and realized, Oh wait, this is that same video as the calf live. And so I think it was on one of your amateur dueling dealers that you did and and i saw that starman cover and i was just like that that to me was again super nostalgia trip or whatever and i was like oh this guy's cool he's got a starman cover it's so awesome or whatever so like that's that to me like that was that was me like i think you know i it was like oh that that that's when i it was like i i knew you were my art bro when when i saw the uh, the the starman cover in the background that was so i'm uh, very happy yeah, to hear that super cool thing yeah starman that will payton starman is basically like dc spider-man you know he's peter parker he has great power well, it's it's, it's right? roger like, stern life, so he's they... he's he's writing you know a a marvel style book in 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 you know the dc universe right yeah. like yeah and we got so much of his day-to-day -day problems like half the the book was like how he couldn't get a hold down a job and his sister kind of like, you know, ribbing him and giving him a hard time about it and how having problem, you know, powers is a, is problematic. And I, I thought that was just fantastic. You know, unlike, you know, where Batman, the billionaire, who can just do whatever he wants <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that title early on. So, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm maybe I'm the outliner too, because I think uh, it, it's frequently referred to as the, the, the PB and J costume, you know, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, but like, but I think, but I think I, uh, I think, I think I, I, I like those, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty fond of those issues, especially like invasion and all that stuff. Like I, I love all that. Stuff. You know, there, there there's, such a fantastic moment in Invasion where, you know, he and Power Girl have this, like, kind of thing going on, right? And then he calls his family from, like, some spaceship. And then a couple issues later, she calls him on the phone and she's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I listened to the tones that you dialed when you called your family from the spaceship and that's how I got your number. <laughs> like, yeah, just fantastic, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. But I guess I guess maybe we've we I, I don't know if you have any final thoughts on um, on uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. But I, I kind of feel like since we're we're delving into to other fun things like art and and Starman, maybe we've we've exhausted what we've we've had to say about it. But I'll just go back to it real quick. Is the, is there anything else that you wanted to you know maybe you got to get off your yeah. chest that you wanted to bring up about it? Nothing at all, other than that I would encourage you know, anyone to read it. If you're a Superman fan, if you're an Alan Moore fan, I think 
it's such a rich story. It um, really deals with Superman in an unusual way. And, uh, you know, I would recommend it to anyone. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with all that. I mean, I, I, I think the only things I didn't go into super detail about is just that, you know, as far as like I, I've heard the, the, you know, these criticisms about, you know, oh, should it, you know, should the story have been more Bronze Age focus and this and that and the other thing. But then I kind of look and as I'm revisiting this, I'm kind of like, dude, you don't get more Bronze Age than Vartox and Superwoman and Captain Marvel and all these guys. Right. So I, I, I feel like that was covered uh, along with all the great moments we mentioned, you know, the the hello superman hello you know the the death of crypto i i guess i you know uh, i did have a i did have one thought and you're you're the person to answer this because uh, again these are isolated stories i wasn't reading the runs you know i didn't have access to or you know i just didn't have the bookend issues around these and 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 i believe this was also kurt swan's last superman issue uh, action issue basically but the the panel layouts throughout both issues are wild, absolutely wild. Like, you know, there's acute angles, there's super, super unconventional panel layouts throughout both books. And I was curious if you had noticed that or if that was something that Swan did regularly. You know, I've seen a couple of Alan Moore scripts. They're super, super detailed. And I'm just, and now I really want to know, like, is he the one directing this or is it, mm. is it something from the artist? You know, it's funny. Cause I don't, I don't think I ever like, I mean, I, I see what you're saying exactly as I sort of flip through the book. Like I, I, I get what you're saying in terms of how certain panels are framed. Like, you know, it's, it's not, you know, having a trapezoid panel in the middle of it is not like an atypical layout, you know, for, for uh, a, a comic book or whatever. I feel like I would have to like go through and look at like a bunch of Kurt Swan comics and go, did he ever do anything like this before or after, you know, type thing. And I, you know, yeah, off the top, the question, I'll, basically. I'll, off the top of my head, like, no, I, I probably can't answer that question. It's like, but part of me wants to say like, Oh, I, I bet he did. But then, you know, part of me is like, I, I, you know, I don't know for sure. Like, like if that was something that was a direction, because I mean, you look at the, you know, him confessing to Perry and it's like, well, some of that must've been, by design, right? Like that it's all, you know, tilted and, and lopsided. I mean, that, that also kind of reflects the mood just as much as the yeah. facial. But, but it's not, it's not like a reserved use of this where it's two pages out of 20. It's, it's no, no, almost no, no, no. like half and half. But, but I mean, I think, Something I, that think is... I think maybe it is judiciously placed though, because I mean, there are some you know, panels where it's, it's, you know, for lack of a better term, more traditional, they're all boxes, right? Like whether it's, right, you know, a five panel, a two panel, a, you know, a six panel or whatever. But then when, when certain events transpire, then that's when you get into these, you know, seven and eight panel type things where everything is crooked or lopsided or, you know, off kilter or whatever, you know, when, when they're, when they're coming up and everything. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty intense. Uh, So I was, I was, I've always kind of wondered about that in terms of like beyond those other moments like i mean i i always kind of love that the the you hurt lana moment you know when he's zapping uh lightning lord yeah that like that that i always 
you know, loved as well, along with all the other sort of key moments and everything. But I mean, I think uh, normally yeah, what you I might make, you might make the argument that the Legion of uh, Supervillains didn't even need to really show up. But um, I, I guess, I, you know, I, I think it's interesting because they're they're there is like it, 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 they, they kind of remind me of those guys that only fly the team's flags like like the, the, I remember when I lived in L.A. all the time. And there, there were always those guys where when the Lakers were winning, then they they would fly the Lakers. Flag. Yeah. But it but if the Lakers were losing or doing shitty, like then it'd be like, I am flying that. You know what I mean? Like like this this kind of like fair weather fan. And it's almost like they're like they're like that version of of villainy where it's like, well, as long as we know that these guys are going to kick Superman's ass. We'll, we'll come along for the ride and, and say we had some, some part to contribute to it. Like we were part of the zeitgeist at the time, but the minute anything, you know, the minute anything goes wrong for them, then they're like, Nope, I'm out. Like this, this got too, this got too serious all of a sudden. Cause we might actually, there might be some consequences for us. So now we need to skedaddle, you know, like it's, 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 I, I feel like that's quite uh telling and appropriate you know like no uh, for sure they don't do themselves any favors that's for sure question this is i guess maybe i'll end it on this because i think maybe or, or not maybe it'll plant an idea in your head or maybe you'll have an interesting answer for me but seeing as how uh the true fifth dimensional form of uh Mitzelplik, and i i go with the uh the super friends pronunciation because that's how i roll seeing as how those pages are 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 you know pretty rare right there's only you know uh what you said like you know three of them three. right yeah there's only three have have you ever considered like you know because you always have an eye for like great people to commission like had you have you ever considered like you know telling somebody hey can you do me like a fifth dimensional mitzvah and 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 do something like that has that ever been a a thing in your head that has not but a um a page for page recreation of of action 583 has wow okay okay that's kind of neat like maybe somebody could could start with um <laughs> with a page of uh, fifth dimensional mental play you know it, it really would be interesting uh to see but yeah, I, 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 and and I guess I wish I'm surprised that no one's really picked up that ball and run with it. You know, there there's opportunity to bring this Mitzelplik back in in some form. And, I feel like there was. It's funny. Like I I can't think of it immediately, but I I don't think it was like the, you know, the 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 sort of pink fifth dimensional transformation. But I seem to recall maybe in like maybe it was world's funniest or something there there's something that where you know how like when Mitzelplik shows up even though he's in the derby and the orange outfit and everything like they can tell like something's just a little off you know like like he he looks they darken slightly, the colors on yeah, his outfit it's like it's like he's slightly more evil looking than than yeah. he used to look and he's he's and, definitely taller and leaner um, yeah not as uh, clown-like proportion. yeah and i i feel like there was there was some some version or some nod to that like that that i had seen in a later story where somebody kind of 
took that, you know, I guess, uh, Swan Schaffenberger interpretation, you know, that, that, you know, not so much the, the, you know, I don't know, the gemstone dimensional guy, but the, 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 the one just pre transformation that kind of, you know, just looked a little more darker and nefarious or whatever, but yeah, I can't, it, it, no, it, it really is fantastic because you, they, they show a close up of his face and, you know, him floating there and it's not, it's it's certainly not the character we'd seen before, right? And I, right. I do think that's uh, if you ever if you do recall, please let me know. I'd love to check yeah. that out. Yeah, when when whenever I stumble upon that again, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot you. A, I am one day and be like, dude, this this is the panel I was thinking about that reminds me of that version of Mitzelplik or whatever. Cool. What what I usually do at the end, and I, this is up to you. I mean, what whatever you'd like to promote. I mean, most people that come on, you know, have their own podcast. I don't know if you wanted to talk about the like the interview shows that you and Aranga were working on, or if you're still working on them. Like, if you want to point people in that direction too. Like, but wh whatever you oh, thank you want to no, promote. That, that like, would definitely be something I would ask people to check out. We, Iranga, who's, who's a fantastic artist and a uh, very knowledgeable person in general, he, he and I, you know, we had the honor of interviewing Sergio Aragonas. And um, we also, we just wrapped another interview that I'm totally at fault with in terms of my delayed editing of it. But uh, we, we, we're, we're looking at foreign artists who've come to the US and the sensibility that they bring with them. And also, as we are both immigrants. Uh, you know, I left America and came back. Iranga came from, you know, Dubai. We're, we're super curious about that dynamic and how comics influence people around the world. Like, you know, I was mentioning this sack, uh, suitcase full of comics in my grandmother's house, but what we didn't even get into is the fact that Archie comics, especially in, in that era, the um, mid-80s, 90s, were so popular in places like Pakistan and I think a lot of that was just because they were a American culture itself was was so enigmatic, and you know everyone was you know Hollywood was really at the peak of its powers, and just everyone was looking to to the U.S. And so I think Archie Comics were a safe. You know we had censors in Pakistan, so I wasn't even look, getting titles uh, like Spawn, anything satanic, mm. anything overly sexy. You know all of that would get stopped. But Archie comics were safe, and you would find them in a surprising number of upper middle class English speaking households. The double digests and uh, et cetera were just kind of ubiquitous. And along with that, uh, Mad Magazine is found just about everywhere in the world. And then the uh, the European sensibility of uh, Tintin and Asterix were a huge part of my comic reading upbringing. That, uh, you know, that's a whole other story. So is there, I'm trying to remember, what's the, what's the channel or like if somebody wanted to, to check out the. Oh, the sorry. Interview? So the, uh, the Sergio interview is up on the 4C comics uh, YouTube. Uh, oh, channel. right. Right. Okay. The 4C. Okay. And uh, hopefully we'll have another one coming soon. Cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I did really like the, the Sergio one. So if anyone yeah, is listening to yeah. me, I, I endorse and recommend you guys go check that out. You're, you're very kind. Thank you. It was great fun to do. And uh, if I were more organized, we'd, we'd have a bunch more up, but hopefully coming soon. Cool. Cool. 
And, and anything else? Do you wanna do you wanna tell people if if they wanna check out your cool art collection on Calf, like where they can find you there? I I you know been embroiled in this hobby for the last five years or so, probably six at this point. But uh, it's a great joy. It brings me a lot of satisfaction, and, and I've met some fantastic people in the hobby, like yourself and others. So um, if you go to Comic Art Fans and you Look for the Starman number one cover. Yeah. You'll find my gallery. There you go. There you go. That'll work. Look for the Starman number one, the PB and J cover, and then and then you'll know uh, uh, who you'll know the or, art or bro that I was talking with tonight. Or or action five eighty three. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I'm the not Dave Mandel person. <laughs> <laughs> Rad. Rad. But you should start you should start with me and then go look at Dave's collection and uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, this has been uh, so much fun, Jerrica. Yeah, yeah, so no, this is great. Thank, thank, thank you for coming on. Thank you for chatting with me. If anyone listening has any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can uh, reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. I get tired of going through this because they changed everything on me, man. Like the there's there's no more uh, you know there's no more Stitcher or anything like that. Like everything you know, it's it's not it's not iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts. Uh, I think. Uh, I don't know if Spotify is going to continue to be around, but we're still on Spotify. But basically, like you can direct download everything on uh, fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. Hopefully, if you're if you're looking for fanholes on a, a streamer, you'll find us there because we're on Podbean, so they try to you know promote us on whatever streamers there are. And uh, let's see, email and where to find us. Oh, oh, we're on social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, X, Facebook, Instagram, so you can you know. You, know, you can tweet heart shares likes all that good stuff and uh, until the next time this is going to be Derek Derek WC signing off Thanks, man. I appreciate it. No, thank you. That was fun. I, I, I really gained some food for thought. Uh, sometimes, you know, talking about something you know well unlocks avenues that you hadn't considered before. So that, that's yeah. always... Yeah, I, I, I often find that about myself. I mean, I know sometimes I think I'm a, I'm a wizard, you know. They're like, you're a wizard, Harry, because you come up with stuff out of nowhere. But sometimes it's because I was talking about it like three weeks ago on a podcast and it just stuck out, you know, fresh in my mind or whatever. So, you know, sometimes that's the trick.